What does the idea of outer space make you feel? Does it bring hope or helplessness? Our planet's billionaires seem to be dreaming about making sure the human race lives on. What sounds like genius, innovative forward thinking, however, seems to neglect many of the problems our world still faces. Welcome to Signs of the Times Radio. Welcome back to another week of Signs of the Times Radio. And this week we have a regular writer for the magazine and for our website, and that is Ryan Stanton. How you doing, my man? I'm doing good, all things considered. Lockdown's not great, but um, I'm coping. I'm coping. It's funny because like every single time I get an author on here and I ask them how they're doing, they they kind of always have the same, same response. Or maybe it's just because... Recently, I've just been interviewing people on the Eastern Seaboard, so <laughs> mm. yeah, it's bound to be the same, I guess. But anyways, good to know that you're doing well. For many that don't know or haven't encountered Ryan's articles or podcasts before, Ryan is a PhD journalism student and he's doing his PhD in the area of podcasting, actually. So he's got more expertise in what we're doing right now than I do. How are your a studies lot of going, that's man? theoretical. Uh, <laughs> sorry, a, a, a lot of a lot of my uh, podcasting expertise is theoretical. Dan's the man when it comes to hosting. Wow. Well, I feel very flattered that you'd say that. One thing I have noticed is that your articles are always very insightful for us, and I really appreciate that. I always get something interesting out of them whenever you go into certain topics. And one of the ones that I thought would be interesting to ask you to do was about space. It's pretty interesting. It's something that we don't really think about. It's it's there above us, you know. Our planet is floating around in space, but we don't really think about it that often. Like how often does someone look into the skies and think how small of our planet is in comparison to everything else? Is that what the experience is like for you? I mean, personally, and I, I dive into this a little bit in the article, especially when I was younger, I think about space a lot it's always been an endless source of fascination for me because I think space sort of represents in many regards, just like possibility. <laughs> there's, there's so much of it. And you know, when we say like, Oh yeah, we are on such a small planet floating in space. The flip side of that is that there's so much to explore, so much unknown that's out there. And that always appealed to me. I, I, I wanted to be the first, first man on Mars first person on Mars when I was younger with unfortunately I think a little bit too young to have done that in all likelihood considering the missions that are being planned now and also I've chosen the wrong career path for that anyway so I will I will have to settle with that just being a pipe dream (laughs) you can do a podcast about it maybe you can do a podcast with Elon Musk because he seems to be enjoying going on podcasts and it was Actually, Elon Musk, who I think I was listening to one of his podcasts, I think it was with Joe Rogan, where he was talking about his plan to colonize Mars eventually. Now, the kind of the reason why we got you to write this article is because there is some space stuff happening in October, which is not unusual at all because there's space stuff happening every month. You just need to jump on even the space Reddit and find out how much all the space agencies around the world are really up to. Launches, you know, SpaceX, Blue Origin and stuff. But there are a few interesting ones this month. First of all, Russia is sending a film crew up into the International Space Station, which is so random. They're going to be there for a little while 
recording a movie. <laughs> so mm. that's going to be happening this month. Have you heard? I, I, I haven't heard a little bit on it in a while. So maybe it's a dead project. Maybe it's not actually going to amount. Tom Cruise and the director of the Edge of Tomorrow film that he did. He, he's reuniting with that director to film a film that will film partially in space. They want it to be like the first blockbuster that has actual scenes set in space. So, you know, that's how he's going to one-up his next stunt is, is there's a plan to do that. Yeah, that Tom Cruise guy is nuts. How much crazier can his stunts get, honestly? Like he's been hanging off planes, you know, driving motorbikes off of a cliff and stuff like yeah anyway the sky literally is the limit with that guy but um yeah so as far as what else is happening in in october there's also a probe that's going to be looking for the earliest fossils of the solar system and then later in this month also there's um, spacex is launching a rocket and then later in the year there's a telescope which is going to be the successor to the hubble telescope a lot of people might know the Hubble telescope is a really famous telescope that was doing photographs of outer space. They're launching a new one called a James Webb telescope, which is apparently 100 times more powerful. It was supposed to cost 1 billion US dollars and it was supposed to be finished like a decade ago, but now it costs $10 billion and now it's going to be finally be launched at the end of the year. You've also observed that there's been other stuff that's space related this year that is a first, really. Can you just tell us about what some of the things that you've um, noticed have been? As you said, there's a lot bit that's been going on throughout the year regarding space. And there was one sort of thing that was really kicking off when I wrote this article. That we, we write articles a little bit before they come out. You know, you have to get it printed, have to get it edited and everything. And that was what some people have called the, the billionaire space race, which was, you know, we had... Jeff Bezos was the the big one that a lot of people were talking about. I'm heading up into sort of low Earth orbit in his Blue Origin company rocket, and, and he auctioning off a seat for somebody from the public to come along with him. And that was sort of big news. There was a lot of memes, there was a lot of jokes about it, and there was a lot of sort of discussion. Why? are billionaires like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk so interested in space. Uh, Musk, you know, you, you mentioned him a bit um, talking about colonizing Mars. He's, he's on record as saying, you know, he'd like to die on Mars, just not on impact. You know, he's sort of <laughs> implying that he, wa- he wants to get there safely and live out the end of his life there. He hopes to have colonies established in his lifetime. And, and the big sort of question that a lot of people have regarding this sort of stuff is why why are billionaires so interested in in exploring space yeah i'm particularly interested in elon musk's take on everything and i think the one key theme of what he's really trying to push is the idea that life on earth is not sustainable particularly as humankind so all the stuff he's interested in whether it be transhumanism the preservation of the human consciousness beyond our human bodies or trying to send us off into Mars, it's peddling this idea that life on Earth is not sustainable anymore. That's a pretty interesting idea. I mean, popular fiction has, as far as movies and TV shows, has pushed this idea for a little while, some more ridiculously than others. But one movie that many people have watched that's somewhat recent is Interstellar, which is pretty much the idea that crops aren't able to be grown on Earth anymore and humanity needs to find another planet to, to habitate. Is this 
a crazy idea? Why are we so interested in this idea? Is it just a piece of science fiction or is it an actual doomsday clock that's counting down to a time when we can no longer live on Earth? Well, I think I think it's it like like most science fiction, it's something that is sort of extrapolated from a truth. And the truth that this often comes down to is a lot of what humanity is doing at the moment to the planet is not sustainable. It it will eventually cause a catastrophic collapse. And you, you, you see this in reports like the, the recent IPCC, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, releasing a report saying, you know, we're code red. The effect we're having is, is, is very dangerous. And so Musk, especially when it comes to this sort of thing, he likes to advocate for, for more sustainable things. Whether, whether he actually does that is something that has been a matter of great debate amongst a great many people. But you know, he, his brand, part of his brand, Tesla, electric cars, you know, colonies on space is, is, is building a more sustainable future for humanity because what we're doing at the moment is is not sustainable. It's, it's known as the um, Anthropocene, which is like literally defined as the era where human impact is what has been affecting and governing the climate and the planet. And so like the truth is that, yes, there is potential for the the catastrophes that he talks about to occur. And that's why people might look to the stars as a possible solution. While these billionaires are sort of peddling this, this idea of the sustainability of the human race, at the same time, the, the stuff that you mentioned there about Jeff Bezos and Richard Branson going out into space has nothing to do with that, really. It's all about space tourism. Given that everything you've just mentioned about the problems that we face on Earth currently, a lot of people have found that in a way very ironic that these billionaires are going out and, and just like they're planning on sending people up uh, into space just to, to have a sus, essentially. What, what are some of the issues around that? Yeah, of, co- of course, there's a bit of irony. And, and you, you mentioned space tourism, and that really highlights that there, there are the two sorts of aspects of space exploration in this billionaire space race. And some people are involved more so in one, some people are more so involved in the other. There's that space tourism, which is essentially, you know, turning trips into space into an attraction that, you know, the wealthy can pay for. Because make no mistake, for the foreseeable future, this space tourism is only going to be for the wealthy. It's not going to be cheap. But then the other the other side, right, is the colonization and and the expansion of industry into into space. And the the publicized things that we see very much lean into the space tourism when it comes to Jeff Bezos and Richard Branson, especially. It's a lot. It's a lot of that stuff. But one thing that Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos, though we don't see it as much, are interested in is this idea of industry into space. Bezos has been very on the record about, you know, the idea of we need to sort of transform mining industries into into space and put them out there sort of thing. And it's a similar thing with Musk, right? He's wanting to build a lot of, you know, colonies and, and things that are sustainable and that can bring people out to space because he believes that taking stuff away from Earth takes the strain off Earth and will help make it more sustainable for all. And, and the irony here is that you, you, you can sort of see that in this, in this divide between the two, the two different types, 
you can see that the divides that are present at the moment that are causing a lot of the issues uh, that we have are very likely to continue in space, even if all these endeavors end up being successful. Hmm. It's like applying human solutions into space. It's a really interesting idea that you wrestle with throughout the article, which is about the cost versus the innovation and, and the idea itself. Just like I mentioned before, the Hubble telescope successor, the James Webb telescope costing $10 billion, that's a lot of money. And that comes out of taxpayer pockets, obviously. And this isn't a new idea for us as citizens to be wrestling with this. I guess in this case, we're not really paying for the James Webb telescope here in Australia, but we do have our own space agency and I'm sure they're going to be ramping up their own activities in the future. Still, nonetheless, it's an idea that's been wrestled with for ages. What sort of dividends are we getting from putting so much money into this? I think it's a debate that's been around since pretty much even probably before the Apollo 11 launch when man was first sent to the moon. Uh, if you watch the movie First Man, a uh, great mm-hmm. movie, uh, shows that there was actually heaps of people protesting at what cost are we going to send a man to the moon? Like a whole bunch of astronauts were dying in order to achieve that goal. There was so much money being spent and what are we going to get out of it? Just a, a sick flex that we made it to the moon. What do you make of this whole debate? Well, yeah, I, I think I think that's really in some ways the crux of it. And there, there's, there's sort of a few things in that regard, you know. When we talk about how much money is being spent on it, Jeff Bezos is on record as, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing slightly, but he, he has said that essentially part of the reason he's invested in space travel is that it was like the only way he could reasonably see to sort of invest all of his profits because he's so rich. And, you know, that that just kind of rings a little hollow to me <laughs> considering it really highlights that a lot of what's happening here is is a choice to invest in these things as opposed to investing in solutions to the problems, like more down-to-earth grounded solutions to the problems we currently have. You know, uh, he, he could be investing in, in helping the homeless crisis in America. He could be invested in helping, you know, third world poverty. He could be invested in helping so many things. And, and look, to an extent, some of the money does go towards that, that the the idea of billionaires in taxation and, and, and charity is a whole separate article that <laughs> maybe I'll write someday. You know, the, the fact that he's, he's choosing to invest in these things instead really highlights to me the ways in which we, when we talk about how money is being spent, space is not going to change the relationship between the haves and the have-nots. And and I think the best example of this is is a show and a book series that I love, which ironically enough is this show is currently airs on Amazon Prime and it was saved from cancellation on a different network because Jeff Bezos was such a big fan of it. But, but this, this, this show is called The Expanse and it really, it's ironic that he's such a big fan of it because it really highlights the flaws in the, uh, the ideas, the sort of utopian ideals that are put forward regarding space travel. And it's, you know, the, the general premise of this show is that we have, you know, colonized Mars. We've got a bustling city on Mars and we're working on terraforming and making it habitable for all without spacesuits sort of thing. We, we have colonies on the moons of Jupiter, in the asteroid belt. You know, we, we, we've expanded out. But 
that hasn't solved any of the problems. You know, the, the people who are born and live in space are treated as second class citizens. They're forced to, you know, work in inhumane circumstances and really suffer and struggle to get what they need to survive. And, and the people on Earth and the people on Mars are sort of living far more privileged lives and forcing those in space to, to suffer for their benefit, essentially. And look, it, it's a lot more nuanced. It's a lot more complicated than that. I think part of the joy in the show is seeing how accurately it represents how our real world struggles might extrapolate out there. And this is fiction, of course. What these people are doing is they're trying to expand out into space to solve some of these problems without addressing the underlying issues or inequalities that are causing these problems. To, to expand industry out into space, to expand mining out into space like Jeff Bezos wants, that's not going to solve the problems of the people that are mining, you know, being forced to work long hours for little pay and, and you know, really struggling to make ends meet, even if they're working in in space sure sure they might be better off but like not that's also not going to be available to everyone those jobs those career paths are not going to be available to everyone and those problems that we have on earth will still persist here in on earth and you know we might be offsetting some climate change factors by putting them into space at the same time a lot of the development of technologies to get us into space has the potential to <laughs> you know, negate that, counteract that to a certain extent. I've spoken a lot here, right? But I think ultimately that illustrates the situation is so complex at the moment. It, it is so multifaceted. There are so many intersecting issues and challenges that face all of us on this planet. And there is not a silver bullet. There is not a golden bullet. There is not, you know, one great solution. As enticing as space might be, it is just not that and it just can't be that you're absolutely right and we do look at space with this sense of idealism that it holds all the answers what is it about human nature that we tend to do that i actually wrote an article recently about cristiano ronaldo this is completely unrelated but cristiano ronaldo coming back to manchester united and about the grass is greener syndrome now when i was reading about that it's pretty much the idea that as humans we believe that the ultimate solution to a problem is going to be held on the other side. In this instance, you know, the grass is greener on the other side, like as far as the hill. Do you think that essentially this fascination with space and particularly going there to extinguish or solve all of our problems comes down to this one really simple idea? I, I don't know that it comes down to one really simple idea, but I, I do think that that is, is certainly part of it. And, and for me, right... Part of why I see it is that it's I, – I often think of humanity as being enamoured with stories, enamoured with narratives. Perhaps that's just me. Perhaps that's just part of me and, and my upbringing and, and my my growth has shaped me to believe that. But that's, that's how I often think of it. And it makes a great story. It makes a great narrative, you know, of, oh, you know, when all else fails, we turn to the stars and they save us, you know. But mm. history rarely works that way. History and humanity and everything is just so complex and, and multifaceted that it, it is rare that you will ever get one true 
sort of simple narrative. We can we can construct narratives in our head to make sense of our life, and and oftentimes they they seem to um, accurately represent things, but ultimately you're you're missing out on details. And I think that's that's sort of what is happening here. And it is a really enticing idea. There's this sort of idea that the systems we have at the moment are are broken. The, the status quo we have is broken, and we need something to shake that up. And I think this is especially partly why not not just his space stuff, but Elon Musk more generally is such an enticing figure for everybody. There's this, there's this great video on YouTube that I would recommend everybody checks out. It's by, you know, a, a video essayist called Tom Nicholas. It's titled The Fake Futurism of Elon Musk. And it really highlights that we want to believe in these figures. We want to believe that their shift from the status quo can solve the problems and can provide an out. But the reality is it's it's rarely that simple. And is sort of especially in the case of Elon Musk, who is often criticized, and I, I would say fairly, for for having big ideas with far less follow through, right? Like the risk of the risk of straying from space. If if you saw recently the press conference that he did was like you know the Tesla robot that, that they're going to build and will be in production next year to to help with daily life, you know, like an Android Butler sort of thing is is how some people might view it and and how it was sort of being hyped up the conference. It was literally a man in a morph suit pretending to be a robot, dressed up as a robot. And and that <laughs> I think that really gets at the difference between how we imagine these things and how they really are. You know, we imagine it as being, oh, great, this this robot that will help solve all our problems, right? And and it just doesn't exist. It's just a, it's just a fiction that we're hoping we can someday make true. But is, is very rarely the case. And look, in this instance, I may be proven wrong, that robot may come out next year and, and solve all the problems it claims. But I think as it stands at the moment, it's illustrative of those issues. Absolutely. Musk has definitely achieved some pretty crazy things. I mean, he's successfully sent rockets into space and then landed them back down on launch pads and stuff like that. Some of these ideas are pretty nuts and you know they're obviously not realized. But really tying back to the core of the why we are doing this in the first place, the more I think about it, the more cynical it becomes because why do we want to evacuate Earth and go colonize somewhere else or why do we want to go into space? We don't believe that there is anybody who's going to save us. You know, We're fending for ourselves in this universe. We need to become bigger than that. We need to control our own destiny. We need to go in, into space and go far beyond our little blue dot in the in the vast realm, what do you think about that idea? I, I think right, and 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 I, and I suspect I see where you're leading me here. But but I, I do think I, I want to before before we get to the flip side of that, I do want to say that to a certain extent that is true, in that we should not be looking to these these leaders these these men, you know, and because because the reality is at the moment all of them are men. We should not be looking to these people to save us. We should we should not be looking to Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos or Richard Branson or the next billionaire or Bill, Bill Gates even, right? Like, you know, he's not in space, but, you know, people sort of look to him as like a beacon of charity and, and helping. We should not be looking to any of them, any any one person 
that, that he's you know currently living in and currently attempting to change these problems as being able to solve everything it's because this world is just so fundamentally broken and flawed in so many aspects that it, it is impossible it is it is insurmountable for anybody to fix it as it stands you know but of course you know the the flip side that I suspect you'll get to there is that perhaps ultimately the solution to this is not from man anyway. We also don't want to discount the fact that we are not in control of our own destiny at all. I'm not trying to suggest that because like you mentioned, especially with all the Amazon workers who get paid subpar wages while their owner gets to shoot off into space, there are some very real world problems where we can definitely have an impact. But also just thinking about the idea that where to next for humanity? Now, there are some theories, and Ryan, you're a Christian, so you adhere to or believe in one of them. Can you just explain a little bit about what the hope that you have learned about is for humanity? The hope that I have comes from the template of Christ, right? Obviously, if I'm a, I'm a Christian, I, I sort of believe in him. And I think that ultimately, right, you know, th- this world is broken and we are not in control of our destiny and it will stay that way until the, in the inevitable re- return of Jesus. Right. So like, that's the, that's the big picture solution, right? We, w- we will never be able to get to a perfect earth until that happens. That, that is ultimately when that will happen. But I think at the same time, that doesn't mean we are powerless. That does not mean we cannot do anything. And Jesus, once again, to, to point to my faith, I think provides a clear template of this in that his his ministry and his you know teachings were very much focused on dealing with the inequalities and issues and you know challenges of the time. And he provides a blueprint of how we can do that by looking towards each other, not looking up to one specific savior, but looking towards each other and helping each other through, through embodying the actions that he did, you know, the, the love, the kindness, the generosity, and, and the willingness to stop and pause and listen and help each other in our situations. And, you know, that's not going to solve anything. As, as I've mentioned, I'm under no illusions that the world is, is very difficult to navigate at the moment, and a lot of the issues that we have come from those in charge and those in power, the, the bigger institutions, which ironically we've been talking about them as the potential solution here, right? As, as that's a lot of the, how a lot of them present themselves. But I think they're the ones that are behind a lot of the issues. But that doesn't mean we can't work on a more personal level and a more individual level to try solve the problems and inequalities we see. Because I think ultimately that's the best we can be until, you know, through through collective action and, and working with each other and helping each other to to attempt to enact the changes that we want rather than looking to these one big saviours in Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos. I think that's what the best thing we can be doing at the moment while we wait in this in this flawed world is. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a really cool, very personal idea that you extrapolate out of a sort of a cosmic conflict that rather than for us to just be sitting around dormantly, if you believe in Christ's return or whatever it is that you believe, 
rather than just waiting around dormantly, why not put into action and, and recognize the needs around you and focus on those needs as well as the the hope for the future. So a really cool idea. And thanks so much for joining us on on Science Radio this week, Ryan. Yeah, look, thanks thanks for having me. It's, it's a topic I have a lot of thoughts on and I think I hope I uh, conveyed them in a way that partially makes sense. Today's episode was based on an article appearing in this month's Signs of the Times magazine. A subscription is just $26 for 11 issues a year. To find out more, visit signsofthetimes.org.au in Australia or signsofthetimes.org.nz in New Zealand. This is an Adventist media podcast.